Good morning, Village Church. Good morning. Hey, guys, we have about a minute and a half before service starts. If you're still out in the hall, make your way on into the sanctuary. And we're going to get started here in about a minute. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Amen. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Family, we're now using Linktree. This allows you to connect all online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one convenient place. When you scan the QR code that's located in your worship guide um, with your phone's camera, you get a short link that when clicked navigates you to a web page with a link um, of everything that you would need concerning our church. Guests, if this is your first time here, welcome. And if you would, please scan that QR code. That way we can get to know you and you can get to know us. Amen. At the Village Church, we believe in the giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship. And you may give to the vision of the mission and sorry, you may give to the vision and mission of the church online, or you may mail a check to our address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, or after service, you may drop your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, we will celebrate communion, and um, SEC begins. Um, these Sunday equipping classes consist of the uh, first steps for the nursery age kids, the village kids, youth. And um, we will not be having the sermon discussion for the adults after service today. However, the elders would like all of the uh, TVC men to gather in the sanctuary after worship for a short meeting about restarting the men's ministry. Amen. After SEC, the Teague Village Group will meet in the church house and the Bricker Village Group will meet in the fellowship hall. Um, Tuesday, October 18th, women's Bible study begins at 530 p.m. in the church house. And also, Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Hear me well. Pastor Appreciation Sunday is October 23rd. And there will be a videographer and a photographer present here at the Village Church, uh, Ms. Deneen Blevins, um, who attends Southwood and leads Pericaleo, which is a ministry for women involved in church planning. She will be here to record and take photos, particularly of women involved in church service. When you arrive, you'll be asked to sign a release form for your family, which will give permission for your image to appear in their promotion materials. If you do not wish to be on camera, Deneen will give you a sticker so that if you are caught on camera in the background, she won't use it. This is a way that we can serve this very important ministry, so your involvement would be very much appreciated if you're comfortable. Amen? If you have any questions, please contact the elders. 
from now until November 30th, our youth are on a mission to collect food items for our ministry partner, HAP, which is Huntsville Assistance Program. Their goal is to collect 125 items, and I'm sure we can do way more than that. Amen? Are y'all awake in here? Amen? There's a list of food needed on uh, um, food needed and a drop-off box in the church lobby. Trunk or Treat is Sunday, October 30th from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Um, uh, please sign up to help in some way. And finally, the session is asking each member family of the congregation to prayerfully consider how they can support the Village Church in 2023 and give an estimate of how much they intend to give in 2023. Please return your estimate by October 30th um, of, at the end of this month. For more details, please see the October 12th flock note or contact Richard Goodson. Um, finally, come celebrate with us. The TVC Women's Ministry is hosting a Friendsgiving on November 2nd at 5.30 at the Neely's Home. Friendsgiving, again, uh, November 2nd at 5.30 at the Neely's Home. Now, those are all of our announcements. Please board, uh, uh, govern yourselves accordingly. Amen? So now, let's stand and go to God and worship. Amen? a simple easy song that just says thank you Lord. Amen.
which comes from Psalm 108. I'll read the part that says leader and we'll all respond to the part that says people. My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make melody with all my being. Everyone said, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over the earth. Amen. You guys know this song too, right? It says that the God that that our Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Amen. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Let's say that again, Lord, you Lord, you are good.
And now we'll have our prayer of praise. Yeah. And you all may be seated, and I'll pray. Pray real soft for me, Lord. Father God, we come to you humbly once again to say thank you. Thank you for being the good Father that we know that you are. Father, thank you for being our God, and thank you for choosing us to be your people. Um, Father, let us not take take for granted this opportunity that we have to gather together as like-minded believers and to lift up praise and worship to the God and Father who is worthy of our praise and our adoration and all the glory and all the honor forever and ever. Father, thank you for being such a good, good, wonderful Father to us. Even when we don't deserve it, even though we can't earn it, it's a gift that you give freely and that we do not take lightly. Father, help us as we continue in this moment of worship to bring all of our burden, all of our guilt, all of our shame, all the things that would hold us bound to the feet of our Savior who died willingly for us to take on the cost of our burdens and to make our yoke easy. Father, let us not forget all of the good things that you do for us in all the ways that we praise and glorify you and you alone. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I do want to just uh, say again, welcome, particularly to all of our guests here. We're so glad you're here with us, and we hope you can find this to be a place you can worship in spirit and in truth. Our confession of sin comes from Hebrews 13, verse 9. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings. Let's spend just a couple of moments in silence confessing our sins to our Heavenly Father. Our assurance of pardon comes from James chapter 1, verse 17. Every good and per- gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Our scripture reading today comes from Hosea. If you are able, uh, please stand for the reading of God's word. This is Hosea chapter 2, starting with verse 16 through chapter 3, verse 5, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And in that day, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my bow. For I will remove the names of the bows from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land. And I will make you lie down in safety. 
and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in steadfast love and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel. And I will sow her for myself in in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. And the Lord said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and a letek of barley. And I said to her, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the whore or belong to another man. So will I also be to you. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without king or prince, without sacrifice or pillar, without ephod or household gods. Afterward, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king, and they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. This is the word of, the, of God. You can be seated.
So that will be happening after SEC. We'll meet in the lobby and we'll just pass the flyers out from door to door if you would like to join us. All right, and now into the prayer of supplication. Um, Lord, we come before you from exhausting weeks. <laughs> uh, pray, Lord, that you will meet us where we're at. Um, help us to take in your word, take in your truths. Help us to hear what it is you want us to hear. Help us to heal in the ways you want us to heal. And that we will be able to build a community where we can support each other and be there for each other and walk in the way that Jesus walked with how he treated people. That we will not be burdened by how we've been told we need to be Christians, but that we'll be Christians through loving you and serving the way that Jesus served. Pray that you'll bless this message and give Pastor Alex the encouragement and wisdom of what to say. And in your name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Alex Shipman. I'm the senior pastor here at the Village Church. Uh, if you are a guest, thank you so much for uh, being with us. I got to cut the fan on up here because I'm a sweater. So that was a joke. Now you can't laugh. In in eighteen in 1989, Arthur was 24, and Esther was 25. She 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 was from Spain. He was from America. They met each other at a European musical festival. The two of them spent a few days together. Even though they didn't share a common language, they they shared a connection. And Arthur he felt this connection deeply. So much so that he believed that he had finally met the one, the one that's for him. And so in the New York Times article, Arthur wrote, when I returned to the United States from that European musical festival, I announced to my parents, I have met my future wife. But Esther, she didn't know that yet. <laughs> so Arthur decided he was going to pursue her. And he made this decision back in 1989 and there was no Facebook, no Twitter, no Instagram. There was no World Wide Web at that point. And the only cell phone available was a handheld Motorola. And I'm pretty sure Arthur didn't have one. So he had to take a big risk if he was going to pursue Esther, who lived in another country. First, he started studying Spanish. So he had to learn the language. 
Second, he quit his job and moved to Barcelona to be close to her. And third, he wasn't the only man interested in Esther. He wrote, the pressure was intense. Men would shout from their cars, wedding proposals to her. But I pressed on, and it took two years, and she finally said yes, and we married. And Oster and, and Esther have been married 30 years this year. So what's the point of this story? It's this. Love includes risk. Right, do I need to pull the sign out? <laughs> love includes risk. In the same article, Arthur wrote, love is supposed to be a little scary because it's uncertain. I remember moments when my romantic adventures seemed doomed and foolish. Courage means feeling the fear of rejection and loss, but pursuing love anyway. TBC Saints, this morning I'm going to talk about the risk one takes when it comes to love. And so I've changed the title of the sermon to disregard the title that's in the worship guide. So the new title is Love is Risky. Love is Risky. And our text today is Hosea chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and Hosea chapter 2, verses 16 through 16, verses 16 through 23. And the big main point of this sermon is this. The Lord God is the one who takes all the risks in his relationship with his people. Write that down. Take it to heart. Memorize it. The Lord God takes all the risk when it comes to him loving us. But do we believe that? Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, as I pray each Sunday that I stand in this pulpit, I pray that you will move. Because without you, Preaching has no power. I don't care how smart we are. I don't care how much hours I spent preparing for this sermon. If you don't move, my heart's not changed. The hearts of the people here are tuning in on, on, on the live stream are not changed. So, Holy Spirit, you, you, we need you. We desperately need you. We desperately need you to help us to have understanding of the word. We desperately need you to help us apply the word to our life. You're, you're not, you're, 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 you're part of the Godhead. You're just as important as the Father and the Son. And you live in all Christians supernaturally. That same power that came at Pentecost is the same power that live in us today. So Holy Spirit, will you be kind to us and give us the understanding that we need and that you would take this preached word and that you will apply it to our minds, to our hearts, to our relationships, and to our life. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Love is risky. Romantic love is risky. Friendship love is risky. Parental love is risky. Sibling love is risky. Family love is risky. Christian community love is risky. You see, when we love, we risk experiencing rejection, heartache, loss, judgment, 
and hurt. We do. And that is what the prophet Isaiah is getting ready to face and feel such risk in the text today. And please remember, in chapter 1, the Lord God commands Hosea to go marry a woman who is inclined towards infidelity and, and unfaithfulness. So he obeys the Lord and he goes and marries Homer and they start a broken family. The family is broken. They start a family together and it's broken. And then in chapter 2, we, we, we learn that Hosea is pleading with his wife to stop cheating on him and to remain faithful to him. But she doesn't. She forsakes and even abandons the family. Gomer leaves them. And in chapter 3, the couple is separated. Hosea, is a, he's, a, he's home alone with the kids. He's left holding a bag filled with rejection, abandonment, and heartache. Can any of us relate to him? Have you ever been left holding that bag? What about Gomer? She abandons her family to continue to live in sexual brokenness, to continue to live in adultery. And in a similar way, she's also holding a bag, a bag filled with pain and shame and, and brokenness and cycles of addiction. Can any of us relate to Sister Gomer? Please know that Hosea and Gomer are real like us. This is no reality show. All right? This is not reality TV. This is real life. With real people emotions, with real people issues, with real people marriage problems. The story is real. And this is, this is a story. This is our story. So can we empathize with them? And can we put ourselves in their shoes for a moment? Chapter 3 begins with the Lord God coming to Hosea once again. He comes to Hosea this time with Hosea experiencing heartache and abandonment. He, Hosea is not in the same place he was in chapter 1. Because when, when God comes to him in chapter 1, Hosea is single. No family, no wife. Now in chapter 3, God comes again and Hosea is in emotional distress. And he comes to Hosea with a second command. In his own words, what Hosea writes, and Yahweh said to me, go again, love a woman who is loved by another man who is an adulteress. The message Bible says, then the Lord ordered me, start all over, love your wife again, your wife who is with her latest boyfriend, your cheating wife. The Lord commands Hosea to get up and to go pursue Gomer. You see, she, yes, she left you, Hosea. Yes, she left your family. But now I want you to go after her. I want you to go after the one who abandoned you. Go seek your, the wife who has broken your heart. Go find your wife who rejected you. Pursue the woman who has separated herself from you. Again, can we put ourselves in Hosea's shoes? Will y'all go? Will I go? Not only does God command Hosea to go pursue Gomer, he also commands Hosea 
to renew his love for her. It ain't enough just to go find her. I want you to love her again. Again, put yourself in Hosea's shoes. Will you renew your love for a person who's been unfaithful to you? Hosea is like, wait just a minute, Lord. You want me to go find her, and you also want me to love her again? Is that correct? Yes, Hosea. I want you to go find your wife, and I want you to renew your love for her. And TBC Saints, this love is more than just a feeling. But I need to pull up the sign again. Love is more than just a feeling. It has emotions, but it's much more than that. It's more than just sentimental expression. It's more than you sending like cute emojis and text messages and spoken words. The Hebrew term for love is all-inclusive. But what do you mean by that, Pastor Alex? This kind of love is both internal and external. It's words and deeds. One commentator writes, the term includes divine love, parental love, general human social love, and romantic love. It includes all of those things. And so the Lord commands Hosea, go show your wife that kind of love again. Do acts of love for her. Love her holistically again. Can we put ourselves in Hosea's shoes? Go love your wife again. Now here's another thing. Go love your wife who is currently living with another man. She hasn't stopped cheating. She's currently in the act of adultery. So God is saying, Hosea, get up, go love your wife who is currently living with her latest boyfriend. Again, now that's tough. Again, this is not a fairy tale. This is not a lifetime movie. This is real life. And can you put yourself in Hosea's shoes? Go love your wife again, though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Hosea is to go love his wife as she is, not for who he hopes she should be. Did you get that? Go love your wife for who she is, not for who you want her to be. Go love her in her mess. Go love her in her brokenness. Go show her love in the midst of her cheating and and adultery. Go love her while she's been loved by another man. I hope y'all feel the weight of what's happening here. This is messy. This is hard and heavy stuff. Real human emotions and experiences. And please understand, it would be wrong for us to simply spiritualize away Hosea's pain. And the shock he may feel from the Lord's command here. Because I will be in shock. What about you? Because it's easy for us to read through the Old Testament and just spiritualize it away as if these people aren't real. This is real life. We're reading back into their life. At the moment he received this, he was hurting. You will be hurt. And it's not going to be easy. One Old Testament scholar says that again in God's command, face the fact that old wounds 
will have to be reopened. And that what has happened once might yet happen again. For Hosea, obedience to the Lord's command means taking a big risk. Opening himself up again for the possibility of being rejected and abandoned by his wife. TVC Saints, this kind of love is risky. And how many of you are game for that type of risk? Really game. My brother Hosea has a decision to make. Obey the Lord and take the risk. Disobey and protect your own heart. Which one would you do? He obeys. He takes the risk. And honestly, as I was prepping this, I'm like, why? Why, why would you do this, Hosea? First, I believe his obedience is a fruit of his forgiveness towards his wife. Forgiveness bears fruit in your life. I hope you know that. When you forgive a person you love who deeply, who has sinned against you, certain fruit will be produced inside of you. And that fruit could look like some form of reconciliation. It could even look like the restoration of trust and the relationship and connection. So I believe that's one of the reasons why he goes. Second, I believe Hosea's obedience believes he's, I believe his obedience reveals he still deep down loves his wife. He just wants her to be faithful. And thirdly, probably the most important one, I believe his obedience is motivated by God's love for God's people. You see, the Lord God loves his people the same way he commands Hosea to love Gomer. Y'all should be saying amen. Because we're Gomer in this story. He takes all the risks in his relationship with his people. That includes his relationship with us. He takes all the risks. We do not. Look at verse 1 again. The Lord said to me, go show your love for your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Love her as the Lord loves the children of Israel. Though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cake. What in the world is sacred raisin cake? Is it a dessert? The New Living Translation tells us it means Israel loves worshiping other gods. They love it. Just like we love worshiping the gods of American culture. Another writer says the phrase means to worship at another altar. So Israel are worshiping at other altars. And so the question we should, at the song we sung earlier, how deep is God's love? It's so deep. That he loves people who are prone to unfaithfulness and idolatry. That's how deep his love is. So deep that he continues to pursue a people who forsake him on the regular. On the regular. All of us have forsake God this week. I'm not the only one. So deep that he continues to show love again and again to people who will walk out on him in any given moment. The next shiny thing we see, well, I'm going to worship that. I'm going to worship that. Well, that's shiny. That's shiny, too. I want that, God. That's us. 
his love is so deep that he'll continue to risk being hurt by us. Continue to be hurt by us because his love is so deep. But his love is greater than our idolatry. Some of you need to memorize that. His love for us is greater than our sin against him. Do you believe that? And this is, and God's great love is what compels Hosea to go love his wife again. One commentator says God's love rekindles Hosea's love. It gives Hosea a pattern to follow. And he follows that pattern in the strength of the Lord. So he goes to renew his love for Gomer. He's going to love his wife where she is, not, and he, but he's not going to leave her there. That's another important point. He's going to love Gomer where she is, but his not, he's not going to leave her there. Please make a note of that. God loves us where we are, but he doesn't leave us there. He loves us in our brokenness. He loves us in our mess. He loves us in our addictions. But his deep love for us does not leave us in those things. Why? His love redeems us. His love reclaims us. His love rescues us. And these are all amen statements. And that's the type of love that makes us whole. A love that redeems, rescues, reclaims. That's what he does. He meets you where you are, but he's just going to gently shepherd you out of it. And that's how Hosea is going to love his wife. You see, Sister Gomer has gotten herself into a situation. Somehow she has fallen on hard times. This means Hosea has to pay a price to get his wife back. So loving her ain't just risky, it's costly. Look at verse 2. Hosea says, so I bought her. What does that mean? He pays 30 shackles of silver and 330 liters of barley to get his wife back. Pricey and risky. Now, we aren't given the reason why Hosea had to pay such a price. Is Gomer in debt? Is she now a slave? Is she now working as a prostitute? So many questions, but no answers. Maybe the reason why isn't the main point. Maybe the main point is that love won't rest until it reclaims the one that it adores. Maybe that's the main point. Maybe the main point is that Hosea is going to pay whatever price he has to pay to get his wife back. Maybe the main point is that God's love is strong enough to redeem the worst and the best of us. Maybe the main point is that love covers a multitude of sins. Maybe the main point is that love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. Maybe the main point is that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is the way God loves us. But do we believe? After Hosea redeems Gomer, the couple reunite in their home. 
this time, there are some clear boundaries and some expectations. <laughs> they reunite with an expectation of fidelity. Like, you're going to be faithful. And they reunite with a boundary around sexual intimacy between them. Because this reuniting is partial. It's going to take some time for them to be fully reunited as a husband and wife. Just because they're living together now don't mean everything's all right. Because you can be living with your spouse and things not be all right. Look at verse 3. He says, I said to Gomer, you must dwell as mine for many days. You shall not play the prostitute or belong to another man. So I also be to you. The New Living Translation says, you must, be, you must live at my house for many days. Stop your prostitution. During this time, you will not have sexual relations with anyone, not even with me. You see, the couple is going to practice sexual abstinence for a season. Gomer needs time to heal from sexual brokenness and addiction. Living many days without sexual intimacy could be a form of fasting. It could be her giving her brokenness over to the Lord God. And to be honest and real, Hosea probably isn't ready to be intimate with his wife because of what she's been doing. Would you? Would you? No way! It's going to take some time. So the many days in verse 3, it could be weeks. It could be months. It could be years. And here's the point. The full reuniting between Hosea and Gomer won't happen overnight. I don't care how much you want to over-spiritualize it. It's going to happen over time, both of them taking baby steps in the right direction and doing the next right thing. That's when it will happen. Everything that's happening between Gomer and Hosea It symbolizes what is happening between the Lord God and the people of Israel. That's the real focus of the first three chapters of Hosea. God is the faithful husband who takes all the risks and pays the cost. Israel is the unfaithful wife who forsakes and rejects. Israel runs, God pursues. Israel rebels, God disciplines. You see, Israel will experience what Gomer experiences, and it will be through exile. Israel shall dwell many days in exile, and which will happen 30 years from now, in 722 B.C. For the last time I preached, remember, Hosea is given this prophecy 30 years before Israel actually goes into exile. What do you call that, Pastor? I call that love. I call that God saying, 30 years from now, if y'all don't repent, this is what's going to happen. 30 years. If he didn't love them, he would never have sent Hosea to prophesy. He's giving them advance notice. Look at verse 4. For the children of Israel shall dwell many days without a king, a prince, without sacrifice, or pillar, without priest, and without household gods. Verse 4 is the display of God's corrupted discipline. His discipline is corrective and restorative. So he corrects them. And so the children of Israel will will experience a time without a kingdom, without a monarchy, without priests, and without their idols. One commentator says, 
Just as Gomer needs abstinence to gain control over her sexual idolatry, Israel needed time, a break from the institutions that brought their nation to destruction. That's what exile has given them. And once corrective discipline has run its course, afterwards the children of Israel will experience what I call restorative discipline. Look at verse 5. Afterwards, the children of Israel shall return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. And they shall come in fear to the Lord and to his goodness in the latter days. Israel shall eventually repent and they shall bear fruit of that repentance. And what would it look like? First, their relationship with the Lord God would be restored. They will return and seek him. And second, dependency upon the Lord God would be restored. No longer dependent upon idols. They shall come to him in fear. And this fear is reverence. It's respect. It's honor. It's worship. It's love. And third, they shall come to his goodness. They shall come to his restful grace. Do you want restful grace? Then it only comes to being in a relationship with the Father. These three restorations are all future promises that will come to pass in the later in the latter day. Hosea is looking very far into the future. You see, the latter day is actually a person. It's a person. The latter day is all about the cosmic redemptive work of Jesus. Through Jesus, the Father through Christ. The latter day refers to the common Messiah. It refers to the finished work of Christ, his death, his, his life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension. The latter days refer to the price that God is going to have to pay to free us from the bondage of sin. And what price does God pay? Hosea paid the price, but what price is God going to pay to free us from our bondage? We can participate. It's a congregation participation. What price is going to be paid? He is going to sacrifice his own son for his enemies, not his friends, for his enemies. That's, what, that's how deep his love is. That's how powerful the redemption is. Through Christ, enemies become friends, and orphans become children, and sinners become saints. Jesus' blood is going to be shed for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Another commentator writes, Jesus is the only one who ultimately ends the exile. Jesus is the promised king, the new David, who leads us home to God. Because notice what uh, the word says, that, that they're going to come to King David. King David's been dead a long time ago. So that is a reference to Jesus. Jesus is the latter day in verse 4. And Jesus is also that day back in chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to read it. It says, in that day, the day of Christ, the day of Jesus, declares the Lord, you will call me my husband and no longer call me my vows. For I will remove the names of bells from you and you shall remember their names no more. In that day, I will make for them a covenant with the beasts of the field, 
the birds of the air, of the heavens, the creeping things on the ground. I will abolish the bow and the sword and the war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. That is cosmic redemption. In that day, in the day of Christ, I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know Yahweh. That is through Christ. You want this. You want God to see you this way. Do you want him to speak to you this way? Then it's all through Christ. Your blood ain't enough. Your good works isn't enough. Because you're not God and you're not Jesus. It's all through Christ. In that day, God says, I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens. And they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil. Remember, God took all those things away. But he's saying in this day, the earth is going to produce for you again. Cosmic redemption. And in that day, I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And we will say, you are our God. That's Christ. All these future promises come to pass because Jesus is the latter day, because Jesus is that day, because Jesus has come and shall come again. Because remember, they don't, they're they looking forward. The Old Testament looks forward. We look back because we have the completed word of God. So we know how the story ends. Because Jesus is the one who takes all the do you believe that? All it costs you is faith. That's all it costs you. All it costs you in this lifetime is faith. Because Jesus takes the risk and he has paid the price. You are not a self-sufficient person. You're not self-existing. You're dependent upon other things to live. And so you're either going, either Jesus is going to be your savior or you're going to have other saviors. That's, that's, that's your point. You're going to worship something. One makes you right with God, and the other one, you're going to be very disappointed in the very last day. So God is saying, like he told Israel 40 years before it happened, the gospel goes forth because when Christ comes back, it's too late. So this is love. You hearing the gospel? This is love. TBC kids, when you grow up and leave this church, you may complain about me, but you'll never be able to say the gospel wasn't preached. This is love. This is the Father loving you. Even you advance notice. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Before I get back, here's the way to be made right. Surrender your life my son because through him you don't have to take no risk and it costs you nothing and he says in Romans once you come to faith in Christ it says who then shall separate us from the love of God in Christ who shall tribulation distress persecution who's in the White House who's not in the White House what's going to happen in November so that separate us from the love of God to famines, to nakedness, and danger of sword, 
knowing all these things we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor power nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ. That's the love that makes you whole. That's the love that comforts you. And if that doesn't comfort you, I ain't got nothing else for you. Okay? I ain't got nothing else to give you. If hearing that does not comfort you, give you hope, Pastor Az ain't got nothing else. Nothing else. And now because we have a great high priest, we can come to this table with confidence to receive spiritual nourishment for our souls from the Holy Spirit. This whole message here is meant to lead us to this table, to lead us where, to the place where we can come and we can ask the Father, hello, I need my Bible, to give us spiritual nourishment. Because if you're like me, you hear all this stuff that I just preached, then when you leave here, you're going to forget it. I do. I'll be struggling with doubt probably this afternoon. And if Georgia would have lost to Vanderbilt yesterday, I would have definitely been struggling with doubt. But this table is for anyone who has saving faith in Jesus. And he invites you to come and partake of this meal. But friends and family, if you don't know Christ, I consider it an honor to have you here. And if you have questions about what it means to have faith in Christ, please see me or Elder Teague or Elder Goodson after the service. And we'll sit down and talk with you about what does it mean to have faith in Jesus. And adults, we ask that the kids be with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. Now, TBC kids and youth, please give Pastor Alex your attention. This is probably my favorite part of communion. This meal is a reminder that Jesus loves each and every one of you, that he died for your sins because he loves you. And as your pastor, it is my prayer that each of you will come to saving faith in him and then be able to partake of this meal with your church family. Now, if you have questions about, your, about salvation, your parents have my number. They have my cell phone number. I'm your pastor, too. Just say, can you text Pastor Alex my question? And I will respond to your question. If you want me to pray for you, I'll pray for you. Because I'm not just the pastor of the adults. I'm the pastor of the kids and youth, too. So you don't be afraid. You can reach out to me. Before we do the elements, I'm going to pray for this time. So let's go to the Lord now in prayer. Father, I don't make these elements powerful. I don't. It is just common elements. But the Holy Spirit is the one who has to take these elements and give spiritual nourishment to each of us. And so, Holy Spirit, you know our fears, our insecurities. You know the decisions that are facing some of us. You know our worries. You know what keeps us up at night. You know, the, you know the things that we're hiding from others and living in disobedience. You see all those things. 
And I pray that wherever we are at this moment, that these, this vessel that you will use to give us the nourishment that we need so that we can go back out into this world to live with joy, to live with confidence, to live with courage, and to live with hope, knowing that we're not alone. Yahweh Elohim is with us. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on a night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the bread comes around, we're also going to have the prepackaged um, elements. So if you prefer one of those, please let Elder Teague and Elder Goodson know. And hold the elements. We will take them together as a body. I love you, oh my Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation. Lord is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you, for you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Have mercy on me, O Lord. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from all my sin. Blessed is the one whose transgressions is forgiven whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Beloved of God, this is Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of you. And in the same manner, our Lord took the cup and having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples. He said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. 
which is shed for many for the remission of sins. my shepherd I shall not want he makes me lie down in pastures he leads me beside still waters he restores my soul he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil for you are with me your rod and your staff they comfort me You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Truly goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Beloved sons and daughters of a good, good father, this is Christ's blood shed for all of our sins, past, present, future. Drink from it, all of us. Father, thank you for sending your son. He didn't have to do it, but he did it. Thank you for your deep love for us. Thank you for paying the price. And thank you for taking the risk to make us your beloved. It is in your son's wonderful name I pray. Amen. Saints, will you please stand as we close our service. last song together, amen.
you are a guest today. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you would, uh, please take time today to fill out the pen and QR code to fill out our guest form. Also, we have Sunday equipment classes for all ages, except for the adults. Uh, the men with me after the service to talk about men's ministry. So in a few moments, uh, would the men please gather back in the sanctuary for that. Now here's God's benediction to his beloved. Uh, here we go. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. All God's people said, Amen. Please greet one another, saints.